Welcome back to Beards and Brews. Hey, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and hit that bell. Not only does it help us out, but you'll know exactly when we've got another one brewing. We're also available on Amazon Music and or podcast and audible.com. Search us up. We pop right up. Be sure to follow. This week's movie, it's going to be Smoking Aces. Gentlemen, I'm going to give you the opportunity to prove to me that this is a real movie. Go. Okay. There's a douche. He has a bounty for being a shithead. Now a mob boss wants him dead. And hilarity ensues, starring Deadpool and Alicia Keys. <laughs> That's pretty damn close. <laughs> Is this hilarity? Is that what's ensuing? I had some good gut laughs. Not because it told me a joke, but because someone was trying to read their line. <laughs> <laughs> now, like I'd seen this movie before. I saw it back in theaters somehow for some reason and i'll tell you i (laughs) remembered very little about it i remembered that there was some kind it was some kind of a like heist or something along those lines and i remember alicia keys was in it and she Mm -hmm. i don't know she had a gun or something that's literally all that i remembered and i guarantee in a month that's literally all i'll remember Ooh, i'll give it less than that maybe a couple days because if we're going down memory lane, the only thing that I remember about this is seeing this in high school from a buddy who just thought this was the greatest action movie of all time. Needless to say, we don't talk anymore. <laughs> I mean, fair. I remembered whenever we were going, oh, Smoking Aces. I went, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, I like Smoking Aces. Yeah, and then too. rewatching it, I went, ah, I guess. I can't even tell you how many times during watching this I was just like, I guess to myself like nobody was around because i was struggling to keep up with the movie (laughs) yeah man like that was the biggest detractor for me is how quickly it goes first of all there are a ton of characters in this none of them have names too many but there are so many characters and it goes between so many shots of each of these characters doing their own thing you can hardly keep up there's just way too much and yet there's so little to exactly that is so one point like it's unbelievable. Like, we were BSing before the show talking about how I was having a hard time just keeping track of real time. Because this movie, I guess, takes place all in the same day. But, like, I completely just, like, at one point, time just turned into an opinion. Yeah, from what I gathered, you've got, like, the night where, you know, they're doing surveillance on the, the mob boss or whatever. It doesn't matter. And then the next morning, which is when everything actually starts, is when Jeremy Piven's character, Israel, Ace, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's when he wakes up with all the hookers passed out on his, his uh, floor or whatever. And, you know, let's just kind of breeze through, like, the plot in quotations because Jeremy Piven is, like, a magician, but he's also, like, second in command for the mafioso. So, like, he's trying to off the big guy so he can take his place, but he's also an undercover fed. Is so that what now, happened? I think so, right? Jeremy Piven is not an undercover fed. The mob boss is an undercover fed. Jeremy oh. Piven is just a scumbag. And he yeah, just looks like what I got. Joe Rogan through this whole thing. Oh, okay, because towards the end, I felt like I was having a stroke. Because, like, <laughs> the movie was just like, this this twist 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 i'm like stop (laughs) no kidding like once we get to the end it's like there's a twist oh there's a twist to the twist and did you see there's a third twist all within Uh, like 30 seconds of each other if you like and you're supposed to be Shyamalan blown away but you go you're just adding that nothing ever alluded to that there's no reason for me to piece it together through the film and go oh that's very clever you just threw it on at the end for fucking nothing there is one thing 
there is one part that I pieced together, and I think that would have been like a final, like a good final quote twist. Uh, the idea is like he wanted Jeremy Piven's heart. And yeah. it was like I pieced together. Oh, that was because he needs to do like a heart replacement surgery because he's old as hell. I pieced that together. But when they revealed it, that was like the third <gasps> in a row. And I was like, oh, we all I figured that one out. That, I thought that yeah. was pretty obvious. But did you know? Spoilers. It's his son. Fucking no one cares, dude. No. I wonder if the guy who made this movie, he like directed and wrote it. I wonder mm-hmm. if he knows that, like, by the end of it, nobody in the theater was just like, oh, my God. They were just like, I'm annoyed. <laughs> the words that I have written down at the very end of my notes are in succession. What? What? And huh? I was <laughs> I was halfway expecting a Scooby-Doo ending. Uh, we already had it earlier whenever the Scooby-Doo hitman decided that he was going to escape when. OK. <laughs> I know this is later in the film, but whatever. <laughs> the hitman guy is like, aha, I am Le Chameleon. His whole thing is he makes fucking prosthetic masks and sneaks in and kills you. He's wearing a mask of another person. The cops bust yeah. in, arrest him wearing the mask. And he just goes, haha, and escapes, runs into the next room of the same hotel room, lays in the floor, removes the mask, and goes, it's not me, it's not me. And the cops run by him into what I can only assume is the bathroom. Dude, like I wrote that right. down. I was I like, so. they, had, they had cleared this entire suite. He takes off his mask and like hides it under the bed or whatever. And he's like, no, he went that way. He went that way. Who the fuck is this guy then? Where did you yeah. come from? And just like that, Agent 47 just gets away another flawless attempt. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep. 47. Fucking uh. ridiculous. Well, on that ridiculous note, this movie does start in a van. And we got fucking Ray Liotta and Deadpool. Just like being buddies, being cops. Yeah. But it's like one of those things where like it's definitely from the perspective of a fourteen year old riding cops. <laughs> they're just like goofing on each other, but it's so weird. Like it seems yes. like the kind of a relationship where like they're really good friends, but Ray Liotta's also like, Hey, smell my fingers, I just fingered my old lady. <laughs> old. Hilarious dude. This is a good movie. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. The the writing is a little bit juvenile here and there, especially when you talk about like the sort of buddies like you've got that pair and then you've got the pair of ladies like the lady assassins. Uh, Taraji P. Henson and Alicia Keys, they're sort of like buddies, but maybe a little bit more than buddies. I'm not really sure. At least half of them, for sure. Yes, definitely half. It's it, the old girl's like, I want you. And she's like, I'm going to get with Common because he's going to be in John Wick doing this same shtick. A hundred percent. Also, Common hasn't aged a fucking day. Yeah, oh, I mean, no, Black, can I say Black don't crack on here? Because Black don't crack. <laughs> can I say? <laughs> Do I have to like check with the scientists with their little machine? Yeah, it's okay. Well, to get things going... Still in the van, they're eavesdropping on these fucking poor old mafiosos or whatever. And I can't fucking believe this is in the movie. But this higher mafia guy, whose voice I remember, like I've heard it somewhere. He's, I guess he's a famous mobster actor. I don't know. Anyways, he basically over the phone tells whomever the entire plot of the movie. Yep. Yes. Beat for beat. Doesn't let up. I'm just like, there's no fucking way you're in that business for that long and that comfortable speaking that clearly about what you're going to do. Yeah, they're going to kill 
Israel. There's a Swedish specialist. Uh, we got to get to him first. You know, uh, my friend's getting off the boat from Naples and there's something about a Chinaman. Also, they want his heart. Thanks for that exposition dump. The way they elaborate the words is what got me. He goes, yeah, I want you to whack him. You mean murder? Yes, you want- murder <laughs> him. You want me to kill him? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> kill him until he dies to death. You got me? I will definitely kill him. Do you want me to use the drugs? You mean the two kilos of cocaine I keep located at 6617 Maple Street? Yeah, and I will commit another felony too. <laughs> and you can take that to the bank. Meanwhile, fucking Ray Liotta and Deadpool are just like, oh, fuck yeah, they're fucking guilty. Oh, God, they're just about to start breaking fucking arms and running through alleys. <laughs> basically but they're talking about who ends up being i guess the main character of this movie jeremy piven who is basically like the chris angel of whatever like he's this universe's chris angel he's las vegas entertainer of the year five years in a row and it turns out he runs like half of the mafia yeah actually you know what a great joke would have been him actually being chris angel and like he can't do shit in the movie like he's just the least magical person you'd ever run into (laughs) That's good. But since he's doing all this shit, you would think that there's more to it than that. But the way they're just exposition dumping how bad of a guy he is, they go, oh, here's Jeremy Piven's character. Let me give you a quick rundown. He started as a magician. Now he dabbles in B&E. Uh-oh, now he wants to take over the cartel. And he's just coked out of his mind sitting <laughs> in a hotel room as the most yeah. inept pussy-whipped motherfucker you've ever seen in your life. And you're going, there's no way this guy has risen to the top. And they tell you, like, straight up, he's a wannabe. As he sits in front of his pile of cash, just, like, sniffing coke up both nostrils. Man, again, it's so juvenile. Like, when Mm -hmm. they dump the money in front of him, he just has the aura of somebody going, like, wow, money? How did you know that's what I won? This is the best Christmas ever. And then it, like, hard fucking cuts to him back into his, uh, little sweet that's trashed and i can just see i can just see like the writer's table just be like oh man this guy's coked out you know what he needs fucking bitches put them everywhere dude (laughs) i think this like i don't want to talk too much shit on this writer director because i think this movie has a lot of potential had a lot of potential before it was actually made But what I want to say is it feels like it was made by the kind of guy who just saw movies like Snatch and Scarface and thought they were just super cool. It was like, what if we put them together? Yeah. It does kind of have that quick cut, like so many characters, lots of dialogue, you know, and then a quick action scene kind of thing that Snatch does. But also there's a lot of like hookers and blow. (laughs) Okay, if you want to talk about movies thrown together, this is totally Rat Race with Assassin. Yep. I don't know anything about Rat Race, actually. Okay, in my head, I'm picturing, like, maybe a sequel to Stuart Little, so please tell me I'm wrong or right. No? Am I close? (laughs) Two very different things. That was funny, though. Now... The movie, to me, gets interesting now that we've been shown the FBI. We've been shown basically the heroes, the main bad guys. Now we get the super villains. And this, to me, is where it gets fun. Yeah, and I agree because every character is just what your character would be like if your custom dude showed up in a cutscene. Every single one of them. 
if you go play WWE 2K and you just make a fucking locker room full of dudes, that's who they are. Yeah, like we've already touched on a couple of them, like the uh, the little assassin couplet between Taraji P. Henson and Alicia Keys. They're they're like the assassins. One of them's got like a sniper rifle. One of them's trying to, you know, yeah. get in to the hotel room because the dude is really into pussy. Pussy. There you go. See, yeah, okay. that's their name. That's their name. Pussy. And they even say that because yeah. it's like, how are you getting in? And they go, pussy. And it's like, okay, that's y'all's name from now on. You're just P-U-H and then C. It's pussy. pretty cringe, honestly. It's totally cringe. Like their whole characterism is just basically just like sassy suburban commandos. Like just <laughs> let's let's just flip the script. And, you know, that's that's the cleverness. And you're just like, no, it's annoying. <laughs> Okay, who else do we have? We've got the one guy that, like, in their introduction to him, they're showing, like, a bunch of people crossing a street or whatever, and you're like, oh, who is it? Which guy are they talking about? This guy, oh, he's a master yeah. of disguise. And it's like, <laughs> it's definitely not this black guy with dreads in a wheelchair crossing the street. It's got to be one of these big, ugly white guys. Oh, no! Let's flip the script. It was the black guy in a wheelchair all along, and he yeah. has Uzis and is not actually a black guy anyway. I was thinking, oh, shoot, Bob Marley took out all those folks, man. He used to be about peace and love. Now he's just got two pieces and no love. Oh, <laughs> well, get that fucking Bob Marley-looking motherfucker out of here. That was La Chameleon, and then we get the fucking Tremors, and these are my boys. Neo-Nazi fucking wrestlers. all right? That's all they are. They're wearing fucking duct tape and body armor, and they have fucking flares (laughs) and overpowered shotguns and chainsaws and just stupid shit, and you go, okay. Just stupid shit, They're they're neo-Nazis, and that's a no, but fuck, they're cool as shit, and I hate it. They look like neo-Nazis, but they act like war boys. 100%. Witness me fall on this chainsaw. Yeah, actually, like the chainsaw bit, honestly, a lot of the shit that they do is actually pretty cool and some of the most entertaining, but definitely not fitting parts of this movie. Like, the tone when they are on screen is just a completely different level. We'll get to some talk about, like, card play and magic and stuff, but, like, these guys are definitely the wild cards. Yeah. Wild card, which is... I was to say, let's not forget, though, the final group, Affleck and Co. Ben Affleck is in this movie. So is this, like, part of the Askew universe? You know, just, like, right on there on the side? Hmm. At any second to come kill fucking Buddy Israel, Jay and Silent Bob show up. Oh, shit, it's the Click Commander. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Captain Cockknocker. <laughs> But, you guys, I don't actually even know what, like, Ben Affleck and his crew's thing really is. Like, they get blown away pretty know. quickly. But Yes, that is that is an amazing scene. Uh, <laughs> as the viewer, you see Ben Affleck and you think this guy is going to be important because, duh, it's fucking Ben Affleck. And they've already given him, you know, top billing on the fucking poster. And mm-hmm. then you see True. him setting up. We're going in. We're going to take care of business. And this fucking roadkill-looking car from Twisted Metal yes. drives by, blaring death yeah. metal, reach the brakes, back up, and then just annihilate them with just full auto drive-by. And then you just have Chris Pine just basically walking up to the car and just being like, I subverted your expectations. Forgive me. <laughs> Chris Pine is also in this movie. Is he the one that actually ends up getting back up and, like, out 
of the. No, Chris Pine's one of the uh, the Nazis. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Never mind. Now, after they shoot him though, and like you said, Eric, he goes over there. That is still it. It makes no sense in the movie, but it's fucking no, great. No, like, it doesn't. Do you forgive me? He goes, "Oh man, it's just a case of bad play or wrong place at the wrong time." Oh, you're a swell guy. You're a swell guy too, and I can't wait to see you in heaven. And he puts a little smile on his face. Shit is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah he, he does a little bit of like talking with Ben Affleck's mouth after he's been blown away, and it's. It's a little weird, especially with that little accent that he's got. Yes. He's like uh, George Clooney and Old Brother, Where Art Thou? Now listen, you say it's a weird accent. He's a weird dude altogether, but listen, this is the best acting in the entire movie. <laughs> it does not belong in this movie. There is another movie out there where this fucking exists, and it's brilliant. But for some reason, I was totally on board with this. Let's see, yes. who else is there that we need to introduce? We briefly mentioned Common. Common is a bodyguard. How, does this guy have three bodyguards, or do these guys do anything else? Yeah, he's got three. He's got Common. He's got the uh, the bigger black fella who's just... They just let him improv forever. I don't know why that happened. And they also have, like, the, the Russian guy. Yeah, he's like a Russian, like, tracksuit wearing... He's just a D-Diz, whatever. Yeah, he's sort of there for comic relief, too, because the first time we meet him, uh, he's getting berated by Jeremy Piven for ejaculating on his jacket or something. Like, It was on the couch, but, man, he got bullied. He did not deserve that. Like, he's the kind of guy, he's just like, I'm here because my brother is lost in Chechnya or whatever. You know, I'm just here for the money. And he's just like, <laughs> and, and Jeremy Piven's like, you piece of shit, you pre-stripe life, bitch. Oh, God. And he's like, I'm sorry, I have a terrible haircut. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a terrible haircut. <laughs> they do get the the honor of delivering one of the cooler lines in this movie. And I really feel like this is just so many cool ideas tossed together. They say, somebody called the florist. These flowers have wilted. And he's just looking at all the fucking strung out prostitutes laying all over the room and the guy's like yeah i guess i'll call the florist <laughs> oh he was talking about the bitches yes he totally was yeah but like he holds on the idea for too fucking long like he True. could have had that florence Boddicker thing where he's like bitches leave and i had been like fuck yeah bitches get out of there but no he starts like ad-libbing like he just will not stop he just starts berating all the fucking bitches, just making them not seem like the worst that. possible people in the whole hotel. Not only that, but they hang on it even longer <laughs> to show as one of the prostitutes try to put on a boot and fall through the glass table, and they're all just like Baruch in the back room. Damn! It's, you know, it's fuck. The line that, from this scene that I remember is, I don't even remember who delivers it. I think it might be Common, but he's like, y'all on sundial, y'all need to be on stopwatch when he's trying to get the bitches to just like, get on out of here. Yeah. Then he goes as far as just like hucking one of the ladies' wigs at him. Like, you forgot your hat. And that fucking guy. I'm not going to lie. That guy could hardly laugh. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of really cool shits jabbed in here. But the whole of it, you go, this is a mess. It just has good little pieces. Speaking of those pieces, they kind of start coalescing. Because once we get that third of the movie over with, with all these character introductions that take a little too long, basically everybody who's introduced is already at the hotel. Yep. Yeah, uh, once one of them finds out, oh, he's at this hotel, Lake Tahoe, everybody suddenly knows, and everyone is swarming to him because there's like, what is it, a million dollars on his head? Yes, Yeah, a million a one bucks. million dollar bounty. I love how all the assassins, they're ready, they're there, and the last people who fucking find out are the policemen, and they're sitting fucking cold in a car, just driving somewhere. They're just like, you know, I'm like, you know, 
or cops, I guess, and they get the call. And both of them whip out their fucking 2002 cell phones. They're like, fuck yeah, we're busy now. Oh shit, now we're doing shit. We're on a job. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we're real life FBI agents. Let's do it. Beep up, boop, boop, boop. Thank you for dialing FBI headquarters. If you have a felony, press one. You know, it's just like fucking come on. Yeah. If you're in pursuit, please hold. <laughs> but once we get up to Lake Tahoe, that's where like the rest of the scenes take place. And from here on out, it, it's just like an afternoon, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it at all. In no. fact, I thought this was over the course of a couple days because time management between these scenes is so poor. Yeah. It's like a liquid blur. There is, it's, yeah. there's no transition. It just literally blurs into another thing because it's always such an abrupt transition into something else. Yeah. So after you see Ben Affleck and his characters get killed, one of the guys has been chucked in the fucking water mm-hmm. and he wakes up and escapes back to some lady's house. And this blows my fucking mind every time. Oh, I see this movie. fuck. Kung Fu Kid is the unsung hero. I wanted no, to kill this that... fucking kid. I couldn't fucking stand this shit, dude. Like, like if all the forward momentum that we've achieved as a society for autism is completely blown away because this dumbass in a karate kid outfit, karate chopping fingerless man in a bathtub. <laughs> okay. And- for the viewers at home, this is what this little child looks like. He's probably, gentlemen, 10, 12, something there. Yeah, that's what I would something guess. Something like yeah. that, yeah. Uh, probably about five feet on the dot. Black hair, glasses, with an eye patch underneath one eye. He answers the door wearing a karate gi, which he has a gape showing his bare chest, zero (laughs) musculature. And there is a bleeding man shivering on his porch. And he goes, what up, player? Oh, you don't want to talk? And he holds his open hand up. He goes, you got to make me ball this. I was fucking dying. I can't lie. (laughs) <laughs> it was a lot. It was a little. It was a little much for me because I I was just watching this. What? And it just what? gets worse every time he gets on the on the screen. It gets worse. <laughs> yes. And like a little bit later, when he's I don't remember if this is when he's in the bathtub or like laying in the bed or whatever, and he's in there like whipping his nunchucks or whatever. Like I don't know why it's this because is... I know exactly what you're going to say. Somebody out there, the writer, thought that this was comedy. <laughs> this is like okay. This is like gummo or something like that. (laughs) Dude, this is a college movie through and through, for sure. (laughs) This, to me, was hilarious. The kid is, again, uh, not Luke Wilson, has been thrown into a bathtub (laughs) of hot water to avert the uh, side effects of hypothermia. While he's laying in the bathtub of warm water, the kid comes in and is like, I'm going to fuck you up, fool, and starts punching (laughs) an inch from his face. He's so into this power so that he's exuding he over this man that he is getting an erection. Yep. And that, to me, is funny in its own right. <laughs> but, what sells, but what sells the scene is when the camera pans to not Luke Wilson's face <laughs> and the fucking unabashed, pure look of horror <laughs> that is there. Oh, made you know me why? so fucking happy. Do you know why he had that look? Because <laughs> he had no fucking clue that was coming. <laughs> yes. 
Like, was it supposed to happen, or did it really just happen? It just happened on the spot, and they were like, fuck it, let's go. Yes. Like, oh. to him in the screenplay, he's like, okay, the kid comes in and yells at me some more. And then, like, five minutes later, they throw him in the tub, and the kid's just like, <laughs> with his wiener. And he's just like, what? <laughs> there is no way someone wrote that down on ink and paper. Oh, man, can I please get, like, a hard copy of this screenplay? Because I want this fucking hung somewhere. <laughs> Just in Listen. brackets, kids dong waves like fucking nunchucks <laughs> at Luke Wilson becoming lukewarm in this pub. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, dude, but then he doesn't even stop. The grandma has to take him, headlock him, throw him out of the room. And Luke Wilson ends up getting a gun. And he's like, I'm going to go get revenge. And that kid is still like, yeah. I'm going to fuck you up, bitch. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was like his parents' ID or something. Like, this kid needs to stand out. He's a star. He's a star. Oh, my God. He got a boner. Make it work. (laughs) Make it work. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that was smoking aces. (laughs) No, we still have have characters played by known actors that we haven't introduced yet. You know why? Because I don't know why they're in this movie. Jason Bateman, who are you? Oh, oh man, he, he was Jason Baton in that hotel with his <laughs> weird rabbit suit or whatever. Dude, his underwear, greasy face, added pimples was fucking great because he's still Jason Bateman and he's still just sitting there yeah. ad-libbing this ridiculous rhetoric. So he's yeah. selling the scene. He works, just not in this movie because there's no fucking reason for him to be there. Okay, he is selling this scene maybe, but I don't, am I buying? I don't. I don't know what this is. I am not buying this at all. In fact, this was the part where the movie got grading because I was just like, please stop him. Please stop him from talking. I get it. He's pathetic. Stop this man. And then that scene goes on for a fucking solid 10 minutes. Dude. I was over it. (laughs) He he definitely didn't have the charm of hard on karate kid, but I thought he had a little something. (laughs) If they would have... If they would have cut it sooner, we would have been better off. Now, we are at the hotel. All the people have arrived. Everything is basically popping off. Common has just learned that in order for Jeremy Piven's character, not Joe Rogan in this, we'll call him Magic Joe Rogan. And (laughs) to get off, he's going to have to give up everyone. When I say everyone, I mean everyone. And... Common overhears and is like, yo, dog, I was loyal. Catch me in John Wick 2, blocka, blocka. And he gets gambited with a card in the eyeball. Yeah. And this is triggering everything because now at this point, the chameleon has entered the room and killed the notorious B.I.G. And Common <laughs> is letting off his pistol and they go, oh, man, Common must have fired into the room and killed notorious B.I.G. on accident. Take him away. Okay. So that's how that scene is supposed to feel. But but this fucking thing is chopped up and stretched over the last half of the movie. And that's why I thought this took fucking days. Because Common is in this bathroom with this strung out dude like he's fucking Morpheus trying to get Neo to take the goddamn pill. He's so philosophical for no fucking reason. Like, I understand, like, he feels hurt because he realized this, this guy is basically going to hand him over as a part of this deal. But... The fact that it takes this long, and he doesn't get his point across. He gets fucked. No. 
Yeah, I honestly didn't even understand what all of this scene, quote scene, was supposed to be because Jeremy Piven's just in there, I don't know, crying and also trying to put in uh, like a contact lens, yeah. but also just it's like tough. being a little bitch. I, I, I get that, maybe. And then Common like comes that. in, Common comes in and starts asking him about like loyalty. And I don't know where this conflict came from. Well, just like I said earlier, like this whole philosophical thing about him knowing what's next. Unlike earlier when his Russian buddy, his Adidas man, he just wears him the fuck out to the point where it's clear that he thinks nothing of this guy. And he just like slaps a joker in his face. Speaking of a joker card, for smoking aces today, I got a, I got an ace myself. This is from Ace Cider from Sebastopol, California. This is their Joker Dry Hard Cider. 6.9% alcohol by volume. I don't drink a lot of cider, so I don't know uh, exactly what to be looking for here. Smells pretty dry. Oh. Uh, I usually... You know, on cider, you usually smell a whole lot of like that apple sweetness, but this is pretty neutral. I'm a I'm a cider fan myself. I enjoy the cider over a beer. Man, this is really refreshing. I might just be really thirsty, but this is crisp. It's not too sweet, which I'm very appreciative of. That's usually like my big thing about ciders. They're usually just way too sweet, way too acidic, and this is not at all. This is just like Fox News, this is fair and balanced. And man, <laughs> I just want to keep drinking this. Sponsor it. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what isn't good. Fucking the aftermath of getting Common kicked out of the bedroom. And now all the assassins think they got to go into overdrive. So we have Ray Liotta mm-hmm. playing out his bit in an elevator with uh, Mr. Criminal Killer, the dad from boondock saints and they just shoot the fuck out of each other and that little elevator scene is just a classic case of just like this scene's too good for the movie it's in yeah because you got both of those guys in there and i don't really even remember where the other guy came from he's just like another assassin uh but he's in disguise as being like a maintenance worker or something for the hotel or something Mm -hmm. and he doesn't really think anything much of it at first, and then he starts to see his fingernails and think about what was on, like, the dossier about this particular assassin. And, yeah. like, at the same time, they know at the same time, they're yeah. figuring it out. And it's just, like, you know, a little four-foot gunfight. The notion that uh, you guys have, like, having, like, little bits of genius in this movie, I feel like this is one, because they were just like, hey, let's, what if they just had a showdown in a confined space? But then... yes. <laughs> But it's so ridiculous, and, like, the lights even go out, so all you see is, like, the dramatic muzzle flashes. I'm just like, okay, this is not an art house movie. Please stop. <laughs> but is it? No. I, is it an I, art house movie? It could be. I have an argument that it could be. Okay. I'm, I'm actually interested in hearing this argument, sir. So many fucking flash cuts. Not flash cuts, okay. but, mm-hmm. like, so many fucking, like, scene editing chops. This guy wants to be, like, Darren Aronofsky. This guy wants to be Darren Aronofsky. He wants to be, God, who's the guy? Uh, he wants to be Guy Ritchie. He wants to be all of this. Like, he's trying for all of these things at the same time. And I think that itself makes it art house. It's kind of like mm. a homage to them. Yeah, he's also, okay. I mean, if he's, yeah. if he's trying to make homage to all these guys, then simply doing that makes him trying to be like Quentin Tarantino, too. I'll give you credit to where, like, the the director man, writer man is trying to be Arthouse, mm-hmm. but that's it. He's trying. He did not succeed whatsoever because this is what happens when your screenplay fucking sucks. 
This is what happens when you kill somebody with a fucking edit. And that's what happens to that poor fucking sniper girl. You just hear a bang as soon as it cuts to the next bit, and that's it. That's how this movie ties up loose ends. That's how you know whoever wrote this started with an idea and never got past the first draft. Yeah. Like, the assassin showdowns are cool. Uh, You get the, like Eric was talking about, the showdown in the elevator. To me, it was more interesting to see the aftermath when the lights came back on. I would have loved to have seen this scene played out visually with just Mm -hmm. them very close to one another, just knowing that they're probably both... It all. What this is, is exactly what we saw in Inglorious Bastards in the bar scene. Yeah, I was kind of thinking it had a little bit of that in there. Where, like, you can tell all at once that, like, everyone in the house knows that, like, the jig might be up. Yes, and then it just turns into Bedlam. Mm -hmm. And had they shown that play out, that would have been a very, very fucking good scene, I think. Yeah. But unfortunately, like, the movie uses its cringiness as levity, and it just doesn't tie together. Agreed. Because... (laughs) <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is supposed to have this big attachment to him, and it goes on to fuel some of his decisions later in the film. But at first, he's like, ah, oh, he's kind of shot up. And Sniper Chick, trying to save Alicia Keys' character, who was just standing there nonchalantly, yeah. begins to just unload with a 50 caliber sniper rifle. And yeah. he's missing people yeah. by like an inch. An inch. A 50 caliber round passing close to you, that fucking close, would still just rip your arm off. Yeah, for sure. They, I mean, they did have a couple moments where, like, these dudes are, like, flying by. Like, you know, they got hit by a fucking truck. And I was like, yeah. okay, that's that's humorous. I like I like it. But the thing is, she throws so much lead downrange at these cops and whoever else are in this, like, hotel's concourse that it becomes comical. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because you say she's throwing lead. She's literally just pulling the trigger, pulling the trigger, pulling the trigger, pulling the trigger. She is blocks upon blocks away in another... Uh, hotel building shooting mass distance fucking Mm. as fast as she can pull the trigger even those tiny variations at that range there's no fucking way she'd be anywhere close to target no and the movie goes on showing how much whoever wrote the scene had no clue how fucking any of this works because everybody there that's shooting back at her is legitimately just shooting at nothing they're just shooting at the hole in the wall where the bullets are coming from like they can't come close to even seeing the target from where they are no but Think about that, too. These are trained police officers discharging their firearm at civilian-occupied buildings. Mm -hmm. But, like, at this point, honestly, I think what the director just wants is, like, chaos. I can see that. Uh, But my kind of point is, with suspension of disbelief, especially in, like, an exaggerated scene like this, it's fun for a moment, and then you can kind of think about it and go, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> that's a little wacky especially yeah, I don't know if, about that no. yeah i think this kind of thing would really work in a movie like sin city to where like it's yes. mostly just like fucking art style than it is substance so like you know a sniper rifle shooting a thousand rounds into the same hole you know in a comic book whatever sin city is not based in reality therefore it makes complete sense wouldn't question it whatsoever but when i see people standing in the fucking Doug Dimadome Ultra Dome, you know, and they're <laughs> defying all physics and logic, then I can just go, ah, having a hard time now. Like, yeah. that's not even the part, because I, I just don't know about, you know, 50 caliber rifles and what 
goes on there. I just don't know. What takes me out of reality is like a little bit like before she reaches the elevator with uh, Ray Liotta and the other guy. She's like trying to find a, an elevator to get up to the penthouse. And mm-hmm. like you, you just see smoke coming off this elevator and she's, you know, you can see her face. She's like, what's going on? And the elevator finally opens up and it's it's the three Tremor brothers. And they're just like, oh, yeah, presenting <laughs> themselves. They're just have they're vibing, man. They're just vibing. Yeah. Like they don't even like attempt to like create a threat for her, even though like, come on, these are just like caricatures. All of them. Yeah. Everybody is a caricature. They each see each other and Alicia Keys is just like, nah, I'll get the next one. And they're fine and they're... with it. They just kind of be a little grotesque. Uh, you have the taller Tremor brother who's got his pants undone, playing with his dick. Not on screen. Off yeah. screen. Little pocket pool. And then classy. you got the far left brother and you're like, I don't even know what the fuck he's doing. He's unimportant. Then we have Chris Pine whose whole gimmick at this point in time is he's got his right arm raised. There is a tattoo of a young woman with her legs spread uh, where his armpit hair is, and he begins to rub what would be her clitoris at Alicia Keys. <laughs> and you're just I, like, all right. I didn't even notice that, but all right. Yeah. I just thought of this group as, this, do, you, do you remember that time, that brief period of time in, I want to say, WWF history? In uh, which the Legion of Doom or whatever they were called had three members. Uh, oh, when it was draws. Yeah, something like that. That's what they are. Okay, it's LOD two thousand. Yeah, maybe maybe mix them up with the the nasty boys a little bit. Got to grime them up. <laughs> That's what this group is. This is definitely the point in time where we see the director in his chair and he just looks right at the camera. It's like, huh? I bet you did not see that coming. Oh. What I didn't see coming exactly. Is, <laughs> what I didn't see coming is once the elevator shuts and they proceed to the next floor, the doors open there and they charge out full battle regalia into live oncoming fire with chainsaws, flares, <laughs> and machetes. These men yeah. then proceed <laughs> to handily destroy everyone there with melee weapons and then suddenly a street sweeper shotgun which is fucking sweet he starts blowing people away with that uh but common's there and we can't let common die it's just this is just fucking chaos at this point but that's okay uh in the hallways it just turns to borderlands and everybody's just having a good old time yes that is exactly (laughs) what the wife said she said oh borderlands that's, yeah, that's what they are. And I'm fine with it, honestly, because I'm if they're on the screen, I'm entertained. Uh, 100%. Even though Chris <laughs> Pine gets killed in just a moment, even in his death scene, it's good. He's like, I'm going to get you because you were going to get those people. He goes, man, weren't you going to do the same thing? He's like, yeah. He goes, well, I can't really be friends then, man. I kind of like you. You're all right. He goes, well, I like you too. You want a sip of this ox sphincter? And he goes, yeah, man, I'll take a little drink. And then they part right. ways and not. I'll shoot you. And then he shoots him anyways. And you go, well, what the fuck? What was all that for if you're just going to shoot him? I think that's the summation for the whole movie, to be honest. <laughs> Man, the more I think about it, the more Quentin Tarantino vibes I get from this movie, honestly. But not, not, like not in a good, good way. Tarantino not movie. in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> this is a cocaine scribble on a bar napkin, is what this is. The only Turned difference into a is, film. The only difference is there's not a whole lot of feed in this one. Got to up the feet number. Come on, guys. Well, they they couldn't leave that in because then they would know the Tarantino influence. Now, once 
all this is played out. Everyone's getting shot. The good guys are flooding up to the room. Finally, Ryan Reynolds is like, oh, no. And they're like, hey, you can't kill Jeremy Piven. He goes, why not? Well, turns out we need Jeremy Piven because, oh, look, a dossier and more exposition. <laughs> turns out, what a twist. The main yeah. bad guy is a cop all along. Uh, uh. Ugh, indeed. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. What's the other twist that you find out 10 seconds later? He needs a heart transplant from <laughs> a viable donor, his son, Joe Rogan. Uh, <laughs> but we're not done. What's another <sighs> twist another 10 seconds later? I'm glad you're asking because I I honestly didn't understand all these twists. It's like twistception. It just this movie thinks it's smart and we're just like, nah, this is kind of just fart (laughs) you can't just throw shit on at the end and be like that's a twist no it's not a twist that's just bullshit writing you just suddenly said it's his son it had no fucking build it had no backstory it had no reason only thing they did that for is because now he needs a blood donor because it's his son fucking quit it (laughs) But also the the like next level twist down is that this uh, Sparetza guy, the old guy who's supposed to be like, you know, calling all the shots. He's not actually him. He's like another guy from 50 years ago that took some other guy's face off again and has been living a life as him for what, 50, 60, 70 years, however long it is. Dude playing another dude. Like somebody took that line from Robert Downey Jr. and made a whole fucking movie about it. This is exhausting is what this is. It's annoying. Uh, Like, what the fuck? I I can't believe, like, all these great actors were just like, yeah, this is something. Like, did they read it thinking that this is like the next generation of Hollywood? Like, oh, it's kind of, kind of, you know, sharp and annoying. But like, that's just what all the kids like. Ryan Reynolds, Ben Affleck, Ray Liotta. We've talked about every Taraji P. Henson, Alicia Keys, Common. Uh, Jason Bateman, who am I missing? There are so many names in this. What the fuck happened? Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. He's just there. And a lawyer. You got the Swede guy from 13th Warrior. You got the dude (laughs) from Sons of Anarchy. There's everybody on screen is somebody. Captain Kirk. (laughs) Yes. But this movie wraps up with Ryan Reynolds going, hey man, (laughs) so you're meaning to tell me, me and Ray Liotta, the two good guys. He was two days from retirement. Too old for this <laughs> shit. And you just let him get wiped up. And now you're going to try to cover it all up. And the guy says, yep. And Ryan Reynolds goes in there completely unguarded. No one removes him from yes. the room. By the way, and just unplugs two people's it's life so support true. system and locks a door. I couldn't well, believe that. Why does that door I just have could a not lock? Believe- I don't know. That's, it's just like layers of bullshit in order to get this like last little twist. <laughs> like shoved right at the end because they're very adamant they're like ryan reynolds mr pool you can't be here like we get it you figured out the twisty twisty twist but fuck off you know we got business and the guy's just like all right you think about it, i'm gonna be at the door waiting on you i'm just like yes. what? You leave us like, with you gotta go you gotta go but i'm leaving first <laughs> by the way it's not even you figured it out it's not even you figured out the twist it was i'm going to explain in great detail all three of the twists and for some reason, we don't think you're going to say anything about it because your career or something. Oh, no, it's some weak shit. 
Mr. Reynolds, if I don't go through this entire movie in the next two minutes, everyone will forget what they just saw ten minutes from now. They they try to make you feel like his character has somehow evolved enough to be this caring figure who would sacrifice his career, his life, by unplugging these two men to serve justice to a fallen comrade. But they show you from the beginning that he's a virtuous guy, so you're not surprised when he does it. Yeah, there's no character arc there. But I think the movie's trying to go with the idea of, like, the greater good. He is, like, the almighty good guy, you know, like, chaotic good or whatever you want to call it. So, like, when he pulls the plugs, plural, like, that's that's him. That's him winning, I guess. I guess. I'm trying to say, like, they're trying to play the moral high ground, even though the last hour and a half was total caca. Okay, what I'm uh, going to say is, like, <laughs> last hour and a half, no, like, the beginning of this movie sucked. But we we get a spot like from like an hour to like an hour and a half in to your to where you're like, okay, this is entertaining. It's bullshit, but it's entertaining. And then the last half hour is just like extra. I'll say this: when you watch this movie, there are lulls where you just will literally go whoa, 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 <laughs> because nothing is happening of importance. And then suddenly, something will be like, hey. This is important. So it jumps out, gets your attention, or it's a funny scene. Out of the two-hour runtime, this has about 25 minutes of cool shit and a great twist if they would have left it at one. Other I, than I that, you that. just go, eh, it's a movie, I guess. I mean, I guess, but to be honest, the only way this movie works for me at all is just basically developing my own headcanon because this movie feels like it's not real. This movie feels like the movie that's explained in another movie that's about the movie business. Like, this is the shit that they had to make in order to, you know, for that comedy movie to exist or whatever. I said, like, a stepping stone. It's either that or, like, this movie is all from the perspective of Deadpool and the joke is, this movie is the reason I have cancer. <laughs> The most disappointing thing is that there is so much potential in this movie. As a general idea, as a vague idea, I think it's a really cool gimmick. Uh, You know, you got a bunch of different assassins coming from all places to get to this one guy. All right, that's cool. There's also like a little bit of headcanon that I've been going on that I think this film would translate a lot better to like a graphic novel. You mentioned Sin City. I think that would be great you know, with that sort of vibe here. But as a movie, as the movie that I just watched, even with all of those stars, man, this falls real fucking flat. Well, there you have it. That was Smoke and Aces from 2006. Do you have any strong feelings about the show or the movie itself? Leave it in the comment section below. Please make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons. Hit the bell icon too, so you don't miss what we've got brewing up next. Well, get up there and follow us on social media. Fellas, ladies, whomevers, we're basically on everything now. We're pumping out new shit for you all. It's pretty damn good. I laugh at most of it. So (laughs) click the link in the description. See where we're at. Come find us. We'll be waiting. Quit eyeballing me, pussy ass bitch. Oh, yes. (laughs)